Well, good morning again, church. Wow. Good morning to those online. Maybe they're going to be a little more responsive. <laughs> good morning, church. Are we excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord today, and it is good to be with you. And today we are continuing in our It Builds Character series. Um, over the past couple weeks, we have been talking about being willing and being obedient and how we need to willfully surrender our will over to God and allow him to have reign over our lives. And so if you have your Bibles with you, go with me to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be continuing examining the life of Peter. So go with me to Matthew chapter 14. And to begin today, um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but today is the anniversary of D-Day. Um, when we invaded and we went into the war, um, a time where America entered in one into one of the greatest conflicts we have ever seen. Um, and so because of that, because of coming off of Memorial Day, I thought I would start my sermon with a story from World War II. And it said, during World War II, a military governor met with General George Patton in Sicily. He praised Patton highly for his courage and bravery. But General Patton responded. He said, sir, I am not a brave man. The truth is, I am an utter coward. I have never been within the sound of gunshot or in sight of battle in my whole life that I wasn't so scared that I had sweat in the palms of my hands. And a year later, when Patton's autobiography was published, it contained this statement by the general. And I want you to hear what he said. I learned very early in my life never to take counsel of my fears. He said, I learned very early in my life never to take counsel of my fears. How many of us, by a show of hands, would say that you have a fear in your life or maybe a phobia, something that you are scared of? Yeah, I think most of us probably do. Fear is an interesting human experience. And so this week, talking about fear, I said, I want to do a little bit of reading about it. I want to know more about fear and the human psyche and, and what fear does to us and the importance of fear. And According to Psychology Today, they wrote this article. They said, if people didn't feel fear, they wouldn't be able to protect themselves from legitimate threats. Fear is a vital response to physical and emotional danger. It has been pivotal throughout human experience. They said, especially in ancient times when men and women regularly faced life or death situations. They said, today, though, the risks are lower. While public speaking, elevators, and spiders... How many of you have a fear of public speaking, elevators, or spiders? Anybody in here? All right, a couple of you. I won't ask you which one. We'll just, we'll leave it alone. <laughs> Said public speaking, elevators, and spiders don't present the same type of immediate consequences that faced earlier people. Some individuals still develop extremes, what they call the fight, flight, or freeze response to specific objects or scenarios. The article continued and said, many people experience occasional bouts of fear or nerves before flight, first date, or a big game. But when someone's fear is persistent and specific to a certain threat, listen to this, it impairs his or her everyday life. It interrupts their life. So according to psychology today, fear does, does have its place. It protects us from immediate threats. However, it can also be a debilitating vice that can cause horrific consequences in our lives. And you might be sitting there thinking, or might be listening in thinking, 
spiritual preacher, we're supposed to be talking about building character, right? We're supposed to be building godly character. And so what does fear, what does this idea of fear have to do with godly character? And though fear can be a useful tool that protects us from immediate threats such as spiders, heights, car crashes, or violence, I need you to know something this morning. Fear can be crippling to a Christian's growth. Fear can be a debilitating vice that prevents us from growing or working or doing anything for the church or the Lord. Fear can keep us sitting in our pews not doing anything. Did you know that fear can prevent us from stepping out in faith? No, Lord, I can't do that. I don't speak well. No, Lord, I can't do that. I'd have to move away from family. No, Lord, I can't do that because what would they think about me? Fear can prevent us from stepping out in faith. Fear can prevent us from seeking help and accountability. They might judge me if I seek help for my sin. Well, I can't seek accountability partner because, well, I've been a Christian for so many years, no one knows I'm struggling with this. So I can't do that because they may judge me or they may look at me differently. So I I can't find help or accountability. Fear can prevent that. Fear can prevent us from allowing God's will or following God's will in our lives. No, Lord. I know that's what you want for me, but this is how it's always been. I can't change, Lord. Fear can stop a Christian's growth. Fear can actually stop the growth of a church as well. What are we afraid of? It can completely debilitate us if we allow it to. You see, here's what we need to know about fear. Fear is one of Satan's primary weapons against us. Did you know that? He uses fear to stop us. But this is who you used to be. You can't do that because this is how you used to be. What will they think of you? No, you can't do that because you're not good enough. You're not qualified enough. You don't have enough money. You can't do that. And so the enemy whispers these lies into our ears and he completely stops us fear is one of the greatest weapons he has it's a spiritual force that begins inside of us and it is totally destructive because it robs us of our faith and our peace fear completely robs us of our faith and peace because what it does is it causes us to focus on our circumstance instead of focusing on God. We spend so much time looking at, at the storms, we look at so much time looking at the problem, and we're focusing on that, and our eyes are this big around, like, like dinner plates. I can't do it because of my fear. And God is simply over here saying, no, just look at me, and you can overcome it. You can do amazing things if you just focus on me. And we're saying, no, God, but you don't understand. And God's saying, no, 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 you you don't understand. And we're saying, no, God, I'm so afraid I can't do it. Look at the circumstance, God. Look how big my problem is, God. And God is saying, but you don't know how big I am. Did you know that the Bible says, fear not, over 100 times? Did you know that? Over 100 times, the Bible says, fear not. That's why Jairus needed healing for his daughter, and the circumstances didn't look good, but Jesus was quick to instruct him, don't be afraid, have faith, she will be healed, we see that in Luke 8. 
You see, Jesus was warning him the greatest enemy to his daughter's healing was fear. You see, the enemy instills fear by challenging the promises of God. An excellent example of this is found in Matthew chapter 14. So go with me to Matthew chapter 14. And this is when Jesus invites Peter out onto the water with him. And so here they are. The the, the disciples are out on the boat. Jesus has sent them out. And they're out on this boat, and it's the middle of the night. And they see this figure walking. And it says, it's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, that's what I read earlier, take courage, it is I. What does he say, church? Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. And some people, what we, we, some people consider that as doubt. I, I was reading some commentaries, some theologians this week, and they said, more or less, that was, that was Peter saying, I, I just need confirmation. I'm not doubting it's you, but just confirm to me that it is you, Lord. Is this you? And if it is you, Lord, tell me to come out, on you, come out with you to, on the water. And what does Jesus say? Come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, church, there's a circumstance. There's a circumstance. When he saw the wind, He's walking on water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? You of little faith, why did you doubt? You were walking on water. You were walking towards me but you saw the circumstance around you. Did you really have such little faith? Why did you doubt? I was in control. I I got you. Why did you doubt? You see, what, what, what enabled Peter to walk on the water, church? Well, it was his faith in the word of Jesus, right? What did Jesus say? Jesus didn't give him a 45 minute long sermon. What did Jesus say? Come, come. Jesus said, all you have to do is be willing. We've talked about that the past couple weeks, haven't we, church? Jesus said, all you got to do is step out of the boat. Come to me and you can walk on water. Come. But church, what, what caused him to sink? You see, he saw the, the strong winds and waves. But do you know what's interesting? Check this out. Read that story. Go through it again. Study it. Dissect it. You'll, you'll, you'll find out it wasn't the wind and waves that crushed him, that made him sink. Did you know that? It, it doesn't say, then, then Peter saw the wind and he saw the waves and the waves smacked him and then he fell. It didn't say the wind caught him off balance and so he stumbled and fell. What does it say? He said he saw the wind and he became afraid. It wasn't the waves, it wasn't the wind, it wasn't the storm that made him sink. Do you know what it was? It was his own fear, church. The circumstance was there regardless. The wind and waves were happening. It wasn't the wind and waves that made him fall. It was his own fear. It was Peter's fear over faith 
that caused him to sink. You see, as Christians, as people of godly character, people who want to develop godly character, we cannot allow our fear to run over our faith. We cannot allow our fear to run over our faith because guess what's going to happen? It's not the circumstance that's going to crush you, church. It's our own fear that's going to stop us and make us sink. It's our own doubts. It's our own uncertainty. God's saying, all you have to do is be willing to do it. I'll take care of you. But we're sitting back thinking, no, I can't do it because. Well, the reality was it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the, the circumstance that crushed us. It's our own fear. It wasn't the wind that caught Peter off guard. It was his own fear that stopped him. Remember what General Patton said, never take counsel of my fears. In other words, don't listen to your fears. Walk in faith and trust in the word of Jesus Christ. Church, I want you to hear me this morning. Faith will rob you of opportunity and security, or excuse me, fear will rob you of opportunity and security. Faith will grant you peace and eternity. Fear will rob you of your of your of your of, of opportunity. It'll rob you of your security. It'll rob you of your peace. F fear will completely cripple you and make you realize I can't do it. Blah blah blah. And all this, I'm not worthy enough. I can't. And we make up all these excuses. But faith, it provides us with security. It provides us with the peace of God, knowing you know what? Maybe I can't do it, but through God, I can do anything. Fear will rob you of that opportunity. Faith will have you walking towards Jesus. Several years ago, when I was a wee little kid, uh, we took, a, we took a, 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 a vacation to Canada's wilderness. And we were out uh, in this cabin out in the middle of these woods um, up in Canada. And it was one of my favorite vacations as a kid. It's uh, the one I remember the most and because I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, we were talking during uh, hospitality hour today about where we like to vacation at. And some people were saying city. I'm like, no, if I can get away from the, the further I am out in the wilderness, the happier I am. And so we went out to this Canadian wilderness and we were camping, we were hiking, we were in a cabin and there was nothing around us. It was so much fun. And so my mom scheduled us to go hiking on this one trail. <clears throat> and the trail led up to this big rock wall. It was this huge, massive cliff, and there's this massive wall. And when you would walk out onto the ledge, you could see the ancient paintings where the natives had gone onto the there. They painted these murals, and I think they're called hieroglyphs and different things. And it's, it's just beautiful pictures. But in order to get to there, you had to walk out on this ledge. Now, if you know anything about me, I don't like heights, all right? <clears throat> but being a wee little kid... I didn't realize it was only about five or ten feet, um, and it wasn't even a straight drop. It was a rock slide, and it went into the water. So if you s fell off, you would just slide down the rock, and you'd end up in water. But being a child that I was, I looked at that, and I was terrified. I said, there, I'm not doing it. You're not going to get me out there, because how you do is you walk on this itty bitty little ledge. You're holding on to rope. You're walking like this, and I looked at my dad, and I said, nope. He goes, no, come on, son. It's going to be worth it, and I said, not a chance. Because I couldn't see. You know what happened? To see them, you had to walk on this ledge and you went around a corner. I said, I don't know what's around there. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I was stubborn. I get, it from, I get it from my father, which is interesting. He was the one leading me. But anyway, uh, so, so I had to do it, right? And my dad said, come on, son. You got this. And I said, no. Finally, he convinced me. He said, son, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your hand. I'm going to go first. You see where I step. You step there. You're going to be okay. And I did. And church, let me tell you, it was one of the greatest experiences I had. I laid aside my fear. I held my dad's hand. I held onto the rope. We went around there. When you went around the bend, you had to see the entire body of water. It was gorgeous. And these paintings, I mean, they're ancient paintings. They've been there for hundreds of years. 
absolutely worth it. But I almost allowed fear to stop me from that opportunity. I almost allowed fear to keep me safe and sound on the hiking trail, tucked away in, in the woods. I almost allowed fear to completely rob me of an experience that I remember 10, 15 years later. I almost allowed fear to completely hinder my experience with my father and my family. And as I was reflecting on that this week, on the fact that, that fear almost robbed me of, of an amazing experience to be able to not only overcome my fear and be with my family, but to, to see history and to see these amazing paintings. I started thinking about that. And I began to question, how many opportunities in my life have I missed because I was too scared? How many opportunities has God presented me with that I said, no, God, I'm too scared to step out in faith. I'm not going to do it. Church, I'll tell you right now, sitting in my office, the guilt that overwhelmed me. Because I can reflect on my life. Opportunities I've missed to witness. Opportunities I've missed to, to minister. Opportunities because I didn't pick up the phone or I didn't go visit. And so I want you to ask yourself, what opportunities have I missed because I was too scared. Don't dwell on it long. I don't want you to experience that guilt. It's in the past now. We can forget about it. But think about it. Maybe it's right now. What opportunity am I missing because I'm too scared? Because I'm focusing on the fear and I'm not focusing on God. Remember, fear will rob you. Fear will rob you of your peace, of your security, of opportunity. Church, listen to me. People of godly character, we must live in faith, not fear. Check this out. Faith will keep you moving toward Jesus. Fear, it'll sink you. Faith will keep you moving toward Jesus, towards eternity, but fear is going to stop you where you are. It's going to hinder your growth. It's going to prevent you from being able to move forward. All because I'm focusing on the circumstance and not my Savior. And so how can we overcome this, church? Well, let me give you some advice how we can live in fear or live in faith and not fear. I'm going to keep messing those two words up. I'm going to keep switching them around. Y'all know what I'm trying to say, all right? But anyways, to live in faith, not fear. Let me give you some advice on that, all right? And so this week as I was studying, I came across two questions, and I wanted to share them with you because I do believe that these questions will really be able to help us overcome our fear and really, really live in that faith. And so these are the two questions that when fear arises, I want you guys to ask yourselves, okay? So when, you, when, you're, when you're out living your Christianity, when you leave the church and you're out there in the world and you're living it, and you feel that fear coming back up, you're like, I can't do this. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to ask yourself these two questions. And the first one is this. Where's my focus? What am I focusing on? Am I focusing on the circumstance or am I focusing on God? If you go to Mark with me, Mark 4 when Jesus was with the disciples and they were caught in the storm, what was Jesus doing? Well, he was sleeping in the boat, right? 
And we talked about this last week. These were professional fishermen. These were guys who had courage and, and persistence, and they were brave guys who could go out on these waters. They'd been doing it their entire life, and they made a career out of it. So the, so the question is, how bad was this storm that these professional fishermen cried out in desperation? I mean, it must have been a really horrific storm for them to cry out, don't you care that we're about to perish? They went and woke Jesus up. They said, how can you be asleep? Don't you care that we're about to perish? I mean, these are professional fishermen that have been on these waters their whole lives. And they're crying out, don't you care? And then Jesus spoke, and listen to what he did. He calmed the storm and then asked the disciples, why are you so afraid? What are you worried about? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the same thing happened to Peter in our story. Go back to Mark, Matthew 14 with me. He was walking on water. All was well as long as he had his focus on Jesus. But then what did he do? He looked at the wind. He looked at the waves. And he began to sink. And Jesus responded, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? You were willing to get out of the boat. You were willing to come toward me. You were walking on water. You, you were in the middle of a miracle. Why did you doubt? You see, Jesus expects us to trust him when the wind and the waves of adversity come in our lives. And so I ask you, church, where's my focus? Where's my focus at? When Peter focused on Jesus, he walked on water, but when he turned his focus to fear, he began to sink. And so, church, where's my focus? Is my focus on my financial problems? Is my focus on my physical problems? Is my focus on all the bad things that are happening in the world? Every time I turn on the news, I see more and more tragedies. Is that where my focus is? Or is my focus on the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, who's in control and who can turn those things around? Where is my focus at, church? Am I focusing on God or am I focusing on the fear and the storm? And so when fear arises, in order for us to walk in faith, I want you to ask yourself, all right, where's my focus? When you feel that fear coming up, all right, am I going to focus my attention on the fear? Am I going to focus on God? And then I want you to ask yourself this question, where's my future? Who holds the future, church? And where am I focusing my future? Where is it at? One writer said this, anxiety and panic are rooted in picturing all the bad things that might happen in the future. And the list is long, the writer said. Physical harm, death, financial loss, global recession, chaos, uncertainty, instability, etc. He said this, when our minds begin to focus on all the negative possibilities of the future, fear will be right around the corner. When we start dwelling on all the bad things that might happen, the ifs, what if, well, what if? Oh, we, we, can't, we can't do that ministry because what if? Or I, I can't volunteer here because what if? I can't step out in faith because what if? And as soon as we start focusing on all the what ifs in our life, guess what's going to happen, church? Fear is going to set in and it's going to cripple us and we're not going to be able to do anything. You see, Peter was focusing on the what would happen if the waves hit me? What would happen if the wind hit me? And he lost his focus. And look what happened. He sank. But think about this. What would have happened if he kept his eyes on Jesus? 
What would happen if he kept his focus on Jesus? And when we keep reading the Gospels, on Jesus' final night on earth, he provides us with the most profound teaching about how to face the future. In John chapter 14, Jesus reassures the disciples that regardless of what he's about to face, he's about to face the cross, he's about to face death. And regardless of what they will soon face, as we know the, the original church faced persecution, exclusion, uncertainty, and death in some cases. He said that they should not be afraid. He said, don't be afraid. In John chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. I'm not, I'm not telling you to change the Bible here, but put some different words in there. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be fearful. Let not your heart be worried. Let not your heart be anxious. Put whatever word you want in there. And Jesus says, let your heart not be troubled. Trust in God. Jesus is getting ready to face the cross. He's getting ready to send the disciples out. He knows what they're going to face. And he says, don't be troubled. Don't, don't live in fear. Better yet, don't, don't live in fear of the future. Trust in God. Because he's the one in control. And then he later promised that they would live in a world of tribulation and difficulty and persecution. Jesus knew that. But he also promised that his peace would be given to them by faith and it would, it would overcome the world. And so church, I'm going to ask you again. Why are we living in fear when we know who holds the future? Why do we live in fear when we know who holds the future? I've already said it, I'm going to say it again. People of godly character do not live in fear, they live in faith. And faith will keep you moving toward Jesus, and fear will completely sink you. Why am I living in fear when I know who holds the future? If we want to be people of godly character, then we must be people who live by faith. Peter, he learned this the hard way. He, he learned this the tough way. He's the example. And here, here's, the, here's the sad thing about this, right? We condemn Peter, don't we? We do. Oh, I can't believe Peter, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe he, he got out on the water. And we, and we condemn him. We do. We say, oh, I can't believe Peter doubted. Yet Peter was also the only one on the water. Think about that for a second. We condemn him, right? Oh, I can't believe Peter doubted. Okay, put it in perspective. How many of us will actually be willing to step out of the boat? How many of us are actually willing to say, you know what, God, I'm going to step up and I'm going to step out? Or how many of us would be sitting in the boat with the other disciples? We condemn Peter for doubting, yeah, but yet he was the only one willing. I'm going back to that word. This whole, listen to me, to be people of godly character, I'm using this word every week during the sermon. You're going to get tired of hearing about it. He was the only one actually willing to step out of the boat. The rest of them were still sitting all comfy cozy in the boat. How many of us are comfy cozy in the boat, guys? How many of us are living so much in fear you see, Peter, he, he, he fell. He learned the hard way. He fell to fear after he was willing to get out of the boat. How many of us are so terrified that we're still sitting in the boat? How many of us are, actually, how many of us are beneath the deck not even looking at the waves of wind? We're so terrified with our heads under the cover sitting in bed. We condemn Peter that he's the only one willing to leave the boat. And I read this this week, and I want, I want, the, I want you guys to hold on to this, this statement talking about being willing, talking about facing the storms, I want you to hear me when I say this. 
Sometimes the Lord calms the storm. Sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. To live by faith is to understand that. That's not mine. I couldn't figure out who wrote it, but I want you guys to hold on to that. Because I'm going to tell you not to live in fear, live by faith. And a lot of times when pastors do that, we give you guys this false sense of hope that everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be perfect. Church, not, not everything's going to be perfect. I hate to say it, not everything's going to be fine. Sometimes the storm is going to rage. But God, what he does is he calms his child in the midst of the storm. He removes our fear in order to face the storm. You see, being people of faith doesn't mean that God will calm every storm. It means that we will keep our focus and faith on him in the midst of the storm. That's what it means, church, is having the faith and the willingness to step out of the boat and to keep our attention on God no matter the circumstance. But we're not perfect, right? Sometimes we fail and we turn our eyes away from Christ. But when we do, I want you to remember, God will not abandon us. Just like he didn't leave Peter, if we cry out, just as Peter did, he is faithful and he will rescue us. But church, you have to understand, it's not always going to be easy. Sometimes the storms, they're going to rage. But we just have to pray, Lord, calm me in the midst of them. I was reading this week, and I came across one more story. And this is, this is where I want to close. About Wang Ming Dao, who was serving as a pastor during the communist persecution and he was thrown into prison because of his testimony and ministry. At the hands of his persecutors, he was tortured for his faith. And fearing even greater suffering, Dao recanted his belief in Christ, and he was released by the authorities. And he quickly regretted his decision, and he was seen walking the streets, and those who witnessed it said that he was mumbling and weeping, I am Judas, I am Judas, I have betrayed my Lord. And within a few weeks, he was un unable to bear the guilt and shame any longer. And so he turned around, and he returned to the communist authorities, and he confessed his faith in Christ. He said, I am a Christian. Do what you want to me. And they ended up throwing him back in prison. And so for the next 27 years, he suffered the abuse of prison life, but never again did he entertain the thought of denying his Lord. And when he was released at the end of his life, the Chinese church considered him a hero who had given strength and assurance to the many who faced the perpetual threat of persecution and imprisonment. And then the author said this, Enduring faith will experience doubt, struggle, and disappointment. It happened to John the Baptist, to Paul, and even to Peter. And it will happen to every person who seeks to walk in Christ-like obedience. In times of spiritual crisis, may we be inspired by both the success and failure of that pastor, Wang Mingdao. And so church, I want you to know, Living by faith, not fear, well, it's going to be challenging. At times, it's going to be terrifying. It's going to be hard. See, it's comfortable to, to sit in a boat, right? It's a lot scarier to actually step out on the water. But understand this. It'll all be worth it because the end result will be an eternity with our Lord and God, our Savior. It's worth it, church, to live by faith, not by fear. And so as our worship team comes back up to lead us in song again, I want to leave you today, and I want you to remember this. Faith will keep you moving toward Jesus, but fear will sink you. Stand to your feet with us one more time as we go back to song.
Father, Lord, we come to you right now, and Lord, we beg of you to help us to stop living in fear, but to live in faith. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Lord, and hold on to the confidence that you hold the future, and that no matter what happens, no matter the storms, no matter the waves or the winds that come into our lives, Lord, help us not to focus on the circumstance and stop telling you how big our storms are, but Lord, help us to start telling our storms how big you are. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Father. And as we leave here today, I pray for traveling mercies. Help everyone to make it home safely so we can come back together again. And Lord, we pray that you be with everybody who's listening in online right now. And it's in your glorious name that we pray. And everybody said it. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you and have a beautiful week. See you guys tonight.